Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. What's up, family? It's your boy, Jalen. I just wanted to let everybody know about our meetup we're having in New Orleans December 14th. We'll be having it at Blaze Bistro in New Orleans. Um, we're going to have some of our good friends come out speaking about stocks, speaking about financial literacy, and just dropping a whole lot of game. If you'd like to pull up and come have some fun with us, make sure you RSVP through the link in our bio on Instagram, at Black Growth Renaissance on Instagram, and hit the link in our bio to RSVP. We hope to see you there. Are you looking to sell or buy your home or looking for an investment property? Look no further. BlackWealthRenaissance.com offers a free realtor directory with realtors located across the country to help you meet your goals. Just go to BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. That's BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all doing? What up? It's your boy, Jalen, checking in. I'm feeling great. How y'all doing, bro? Doing good, man. Kelly checking in. How y'all boys feeling? Living, man, man. Loving it. Another Sunday, another great podcast on the way, man. Y'all know how it's coming. Yeah, this is a definitely a, a special podcast. We've definitely been following this lady for a while. She be doing her thing on Instagram yeah, and her thing. Like, like, damn, Brooklyn like, the damn thing. She's in the <laughs> office right now working. Like, that's how serious it is. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, and this is definitely a, a good topic we're going to get on. Um, her name is Miss Business on Instagram. Um, her real name is Miss Shaquana. How you doing? Welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited. Like you guys have been following me, but I've been following you guys for a really long time too. <laughs> you guys have been doing your thing. So, you know, I know you guys are probably used to, uh, I guess, shining light for other people, but you guys are doing an amazing job as well. Oh, we appreciate, we appreciate it. it. <laughs> we appreciate that. Definitely. So, Ms. Shaquana, yes. can, you, can you give the audience a little background, tell them kind of how you got started and just how you, how did you become Miss Business? <laughs> okay. So I became Miss Business. Um, so when, at the time I was still at corporate and I really, I was getting into a space where I want, I did my first event. It was a panel discussion. It was a vision board and panel discussion. Um, it's called Toast of the Vision. I do it annually in January just to kind of kick off the year and help everyone like, you know, get started, get their visions cleared, think about the resources um, that they have to put together in order to achieve these goals. And I realized that 
that was my passion. And that was in January of 2018. And so before that, I was, you know, just trying to figure it out. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make financial literacy fun, right? Which I'm sure that you guys had that same thought, right? Like, how can we bring financial literacy and make it cool? And so I just started thinking about, you know, like who I was and my experience. I grew up in a small business. Then I transitioned into corporate uh, where I worked there for six and a half years. And I was just like, something clicked. And I was like, I'm like Miss Business. Like I know business. I get it. I understand it. I understand how it works, not only from a small business perspective, but even from a corporate perspective. And so, yeah, I just started to like coin the name Miss Business. And I just, I started to like, so my Instagram handle is Miss Business 101. And then I just started checking like across platforms and I noticed that it was available. And I was like, this had to be destined because one, I feel like Miss Business, someone should have thought about that. Right. <laughs> but they did it. And so I was like, you know what? That's who I am. And, you know, I had thought of some, some other names like Miss. I can't, I can't even remember what they were, but yeah, Miss Business stuck. And I felt like it represented me and what I wanted to offer. So here I am two years later. <laughs> so like, how did you find your way to the CPA route though? Like, what was that process like? I know you said, you know, you were in corporate for six years and then, you know, you started to do your own thing. But how did you really just, what made you say, this is how the avenue I want to make and take to really push financial literacy? Sure. So in terms of when I originally became a CPA, it wasn't necessarily to push literacy. Um, I graduated college and went straight to big four accounting firm, which if you're going to do accounting and you're going to go the route of CPA, you do need one year of public experience. And so, um, you know, going to the big four is like something that you should do, right? Like you have to do it if you're an accountant. And so um, I was there and I studied for my CPA and I planned on being there for two years, right? I wound up being there for six and a half years uh, just because I started out in mutual funds. And then I went off into um, real estate, private equity, because that's where my passion lies. My passion lies in real estate. I love real estate. I love the deals. I love the transactions. I love everything about it. So, you know, just being there, I got my CPA because whenever I do anything, I have to do it to the best of my ability. So whatever that area is, I'm going to research what the top thing is in that industry or that thing is and make sure that I'm executing at the highest level. And so when it came to accounting, CPA was it, right? Like if you're gonna be an accountant, you if you're gonna to go to the top, you need to be a CPA. Um, and so that was pretty much how I became a CPA. Now in terms of the financial literacy, um, it was just something that I wanted to, I wanted to be able to give back to us. Like I feel like that financial literacy piece is missing in our community. And I'm sure that you guys have also, you know, Kind of acknowledge the same exact thing but then when i started to really think about it i was like yes financial literacy is missing right however the topic of taxes is like obsolete right like it's not even talked about um it really is a situation where we go through trying to form businesses trying to have um trying to do all these real estate transactions but no one is thinking about the tax piece of it. And the reality is we pay a lot of taxes. We pay about 12 taxes. We have income tax, sales tax, exercise tax, death tax, property tax. We have so many taxes, right? And so that is like one of our highest expenses, but I feel like mentally we're so trained to just feel like, no, this is what we have to pay. And so we don't even think about it right? Or think about ways to minimize it or use it to our advantage. And so that was how I decided that, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to educate when it comes to taxes and I'm going to make it cool and I'm going to make, you know, people feel like this is something that they need to pay attention to. Okay. So uh, with being a CPA, you're focused in taxing, right? There's different areas under the CPA umbrella that you can go to. Yes. Okay, and then my follow-up question is, so I want you to just explain to people why a CPA is necessary and why it's important for you to have a CPA. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first, there are different avenues and different aspects. Under the accounting umbrella, you, have, you don't only have taxes. You also have auditing, which is pretty much the 
you know, it's an audit. You, you pretty much go through the financial statements of a company and you pretty much validate that the numbers that they are presenting on their financial statements are accurate, right? So you have that. Then you also have taxes. Then you also have a bookkeeping approach. You have um, like my company, um, I do bookkeeping in my company as well. So that's another piece um, of accounting. And so, you know, you do have different umbrellas. You have some people that just do tax planning, some people that just work on, um, you know, certain like cases. So you have different, different CPAs that focus on different things based on what they find interesting. Um, for me, my focus is small business owners and being able to push um, us, because I'm a small business owner as well, being able to push us um, in, that, in, that, in that space of wealth right? Getting us to think about certain things. So I do have payroll in my company, tax preparation, bookkeeping, um, business formation, right? Because those things are major. And I plan to expand my company to a full service financial, a financial services firm for small business owners, right? And so that's my, that's my goal. Hold on. What was the question? <laughs> I forgot. It was basically why was this important? Oh, yes. That was your second question. Okay. So the second question is in terms of why a CPA is important. Okay. CPA is important for a few reasons. One, I tell all of my clients or anyone who have a consultation with me because I get it all the time. Why should I use you over TurboTax? Listen, <laughs> right? I get it. And I'm honest, right? Like I'm honest. I'm going to tell you, listen, people ask me this. So if people are thinking this, this is always my response to them. One, once you start acquiring assets and running a business, you should no longer be trying to use a data aggregation company to file your taxes, right? Because there are tax codes and benefits and advantages that a tax software is not going to give you. So you need to make sure that you have someone that's on your, that's on your team, one that you can consult with throughout the year. Um, and, and I'll talk about the whole could be able to consult with your CPA and or tax preparer throughout the year, because right now, since we're out of tax season, I'm getting so many calls and so many new clients because they can't find their tax preparer because it's not between January and April, right? Um, but that is extremely important. It's also important to have someone that understands financial statements. That is key. You do not know how many people who one will go through tax season with the, with someone that may or may not be a CPA and they will say, I have no idea what I did last year, right? Which to me is an issue with my clients. I teach, you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. I want my clients to need me in the sense of you're so busy, so you don't need me, right? So I'm not pushing things on you and I want you to be knowledgeable because you'll one, be able to open up another business and you'll already know what to do or two, you'll be able to pass that information along to your friends, your family and friends, right? So that is how I'm able to push, you know, push that culture. So they won't know what's going on and or it's a situation where they don't even understand what their profit and loss statements are. Like I'm seeing clients that's been in business for years that can't effectively break down their profit and loss statements to me, have no idea what their balance sheets are and have no idea how they play a role and what the story is telling in their financial statements. So for me personally, you should not have a business that is revenue based and asset based and you are working with someone that don't know how to dissect a financial statement to tell you exactly what is going on. They don't know journal entries. They, they literally know how to punch numbers in the software, right? So you hiring someone that doesn't understand um, financial statements is just as valid as you going on TurboTax, punching the numbers in yourself, you know? So... Mm -hmm. That's, that's why I always tell clients, like, you need a CPA. You need someone on your team. And if you're going to be wealthy, then you have to move like the wealthy, right? Yeah. They have a team of people that they work with. CPAs and lawyers being at the top of that list. We call right? it our big three. Three. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys call what, what What is it? CPA, lawyer, and what else? The big three, uh, CPA, financial advisor, and a lawyer. Yes, that, that's key. That is key. And people don't understand it. I see so many people where they'll, you know, they don't want to consult. And I tell them, you need to speak with a lawyer. You need to speak with a CPA. Because guess what? The mistakes that I'm going to save you or the money that I'm going to save you is going to be way beyond anything 
that, you know, all the mistakes that you're going to make, right? I'm going to help you prevent making those mistakes. And I'm a tax write-off. I'm like a whole benefit. Like, yeah like why wouldn't you want to work with me you just you get to like you get to spend money on me and then write it off hey, i'm like an asset i like it <laughs> I think something big in there that you spoke on is that your your availability um, oh yes because a lot of tax a lot of cpas and tax professionals are only available like you said the january through april or but but you be you being available twenty four seven. Well, not twenty four seven, but being available throughout. The, <laughs> being available throughout the year is really mm -hmm. helpful for a lot of people. Yes, so that is extremely um, important. And again, as I mentioned, I have a lot of clients who will contact me now in this space because they are unable to contact their tax preparer, or there's a couple different things that happens after January. One, they're receiving letters from the IRS. They have no idea how to determine or read these letters, right? There's also a situation where if you're a business owner or you're in real estate development or an investor, or you know, you just have a tax question or, or even a financial statement question, you should be able to reach out to your tax preparer, right? So for me, I work primarily with small business owners and people that are operating businesses all year round so I'm dealing with quarterly deadlines I'm dealing with annual deadlines you know as I told you guys before right now I'm in my office you know because tax extensions are due tomorrow um, and so yeah I'm here I'm present and that's important you have to hire people that that are are really about small businesses right because you even have you even have CPAs that will primarily deal with with individuals that's not your person if you have assets and a business. Another thing that I found was important, and you mentioned, you talked about bookkeeping. I know a lot, a lot of small business owners and just a lot of people, they overlook that small aspect of bookkeeping. And mm -hmm. that goes hand in hand with like being able to keep up with your taxes because that's your revenue. That's how you figure out what you're spending and everything like that. So that's definitely an important aspect of what you were talking about. Yeah, so bookkeeping is key, and I tell everyone, um, bookkeeping is, it's pretty much like the foundation that you build your house on, right, when it comes to comes to taxes. Um, without it, one, you won't know, there's a few things that bookkeeping will tell you. One, it'll tell you what the health of your business is, right, which is extremely important. I have a lot of clients giving out discounts they cannot afford to give out, because if they properly looked at what their cost analysis is versus how much they're actually selling their product for versus the shipping or how much uh, you know they're paying employees they'll realize that they can't even afford to give the discounts out that they're give you know that they're giving out um, you know bookkeeping also will tell you where your money is coming from you know you may have different products that you're selling or you may have different services um, and it'll tell you and let you know listen okay this is where your money's coming from. It may even allow you to eliminate selling a certain product that's not profiting, profiting you, right? And so that's extremely important. And so I know that you mentioned, you know, the your bookkeeping is going to tell you where, your bookkeeping is going to tell you where, you know, your, your revenue and your expenses are, which is, which is correct. It's also going to tell you and move into a balance sheet side of things, what your assets and liabilities are, right? And that's super important. It's, especially for my real estate investors, right? They, people are, are very concerned all the time with their revenue, but the cost basis of your house is sitting on your, in your asset column. And depending on what expenses you are making, that could increase or decrease the cost basis of your house, right? So there's a lot of different things that you really get to focus on by being able to have that snapshot of your business, um, you know, of bookkeeping. So a lot of business owners, again, they try to cut corners. And I get it. When you're a small business owner, you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to make it work. And so I tell a lot of my clients, you know, I tell all my clients, I, like I mentioned before, I want people when they need me. So I never sell people on anything that they don't need. So if you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of transactions, I tell everybody, download QuickBooks Self-Employed. 
It is an amazing tool. It's like $10 a month, I believe, but it is a tool. It allows you to connect your cards to it. You can go through, categorize your expenses. At any given point, you can pull up that profit and loss statement so you can see. You can invoice clients from there. So it is an amazing tool. It's going get, to get to a point in your business where QuickBooks Self-Employed is just not going to uh, be, it's, it's just going to, I guess your business will outgrow it at some point. Right. And so then you need to bring in a bookkeeper and then, you know, you need to make sure that these things are properly taken care of. But it still needs to be a practice, no matter what method you choose to be done from the beginning. So, yeah, so, yeah that's how I feel about it. I, I, I preach about bookkeeping so, so, so much. It's so important. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> important. And a lot of people like kind of hit that roll bump especially after that first year and they got to turn in their stuff for taxes. They're like, I don't know where all of this is. I don't know. Trust me. I'm like going to, so you're going to see on my page, I'm going to start promoting like bookkeeping and listen, because bookkeeping is tax planning. I'm going to try to get my clients ready. Like my goal is to just shift my client's mindset. We have to get this tax planning. It's no reason why in April you're just finding out what you owe. We're going to figure that out now. Bookkeeping, we're going to get this together because when tax season comes, I'm already going to have new clients that's coming to me with messed up books. <laughs> my, my current client's books need to be in order. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned your business because I do want to talk about your business some more. Um, okay. The whole transition from leaving the corporate world to mm-hmm. being self-employed and going into entrepreneurship. Can you just get into that and maybe what was, why did you go ahead and do it? And just how's that been? Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if we previously spoke about this, but I did grow up um, in a small business. Yeah, my dad oh, off camera. Oh, off camera. Okay. So, um, so yeah, my dad owns restaurants throughout Brooklyn, and I've been working in those restaurants since I was six years old. So from there, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't necessarily know I would have a tax accounting business. I thought I was going to have like a chain of restaurants or something. Um, But, you know, entrepreneurship was second nature to me. I just got it. Um, I love it when my friends, family, they want to start businesses. I'm the one that they've, you know, always kind of came to. So fast forward, went to college, started doing accounting, then got into corporate. So... Corporate stayed there for six and a half years, an amazing experience. I will, you will never hear me ever downplay a nine to five. I hear people and I feel like I call it glorification of entrepreneurship on social media where everyone makes it seem like it is the thing to do and you should just go ahead and just jump out the window and quit your job and everything is going to fall into place. And I'm like, yeah, no, there are certain, <laughs> there's certain things that you learn um, you know, when you're in your job and if you, and I, and I say this to every single person, who you are at your nine to five is exactly who you are going to be in your business. Who you are in your nine to five is exactly who you're going to be in your business. When I was in nine to five, what I struggled with was coaching people still getting my work done and not feeling overwhelmed and still being able to communicate. Now that I'm in my, like in my, in my office space, in my business, this is something that is a constant challenge to me, but I show up for it every day. So now it's become a lot easier. But when I tell you, I was like, Oh my God, this is the same exact thing. When I was in corporate, I would be working so much more hours because I didn't delegate. Right. I wanted to do everything myself. And so it got to a point in my business where I would try to do everything myself. So I'm having the same exact issues because instead of me effectively delegating, I'm trying to take on too much when I could be saying to someone, no, you do that, right? And so as I realized that, I was like, okay, these are the same issues I had in corporate. I can't have that in my business because I knew that I struggled with that. So you know what? I started making the changes and now I don't care if it's like, if there's like a letter wrong, I'm telling my staff, like, you need to change that, right? Just because it's, it's taking up my time. Like, I don't want to do it. I want my staff to do it so they can be cognizant of it. Okay, but to get back on concept and get back to the question, um, you know, once I was in corporate, I realized that I wanted to 
be the, I wanted to be and make financial literacy cool. I wanted to make it a topic that we consistently spoke about. So when I think back, um, and I will be the first to admit, I feel like I left my job prematurely. Um, I didn't have glorification of entrepreneurship because I was in, like I was raised in that environment. So I knew exactly what I was up against. But when I think back and I'm like, okay, well, you were in corporate, you got, you know, all these tools and resources, but you know, now you decided to say, you know what, I'm going to take this business thing full throttle, but mind you, I want to tell you when I quit, I have 400 followers, <laughs> right? So I just want to, I just want to throw that out there. So I had, I had clients, but at the time, just to kind of give you numbers, at the time when I quit, that was February, February 9th of 2018, I quit. I had about, because it was February, so it was still in the middle of tax season. By the end of that tax season, I may have had like 70 clients, right? This year, at the end of tax season, I had, I believe, like over 400 Crazy number. God damn. Right? And so for me, it was a situation where I never thought that I would fail. I never thought that this wasn't going to be a thing. However, I didn't have, I knew who I wanted. I wanted this business to be more of a financial literacy educator, right? How hard I go with taxes was not my initial like thing it wasn't me saying so i'm saying that to say that I, I didn't have it all figured out in terms of where i am now when i first started i wasn't doing bookkeeping my clients pushed me into bookkeeping because i was like i do not want to deal with bookkeeping but they pushed me into that space right so just saying all of those things to say that i didn't have like a full business plan i had like i had a business plan but it wasn't at the level at where I am now and where my mindset is now. So that's why looking back, I say, I feel like I prematurely quit because it's like, how could you not think that Miss Business would be doing speaking engagements like all around the US? Like, how could you not think that you would have 400, over 400 clients? Like I filed like over 600 tax returns last year between business and personal, right? So it's like, I grew really quick, really, really, I grew really quick. But when I think back, I didn't have those expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say, you know, maybe I, I quit prematurely, but you know, the transition from corporate to, um, to entrepreneurship for me was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing journey. I did save up enough money, which I do tell people to do. So I did save up enough money. So I was able to just sit down and focus on my business and just give it my all, right? So I'm a little crazy and I'm like extremely disciplined. Like I'm in my office right now by myself. I don't, I don't play, like I can lock in with no problem. And so that's what I did with Miss Business. It was like, okay, you have Miss Business. You need to figure out how are you going to grow her? You know, how are you going to make, you know, this, this person that you have in your head, how are you going to make people understand her? And so that's what I did. And I was just consistent with it. So the transition was, to me, it was a pretty smooth transition, but I don't know, I'm kind of a little disappointed in myself. Like, how could you not think that you were going to like, do it all the things like that you It sounds now. like you've done it at the perfect time. Like, yeah, I just want you to know that. Yeah, like, you waited too long. Like, like you definitely had years. your ducks in a row because yeah, right I now, did. we, we all did. work nine to fives right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. So we definitely agree with you on the not down in the nine to five game. Mm -hmm. We definitely preach, you know, use your nine to five to leverage your dreams. Yes. Um, if you do hate your nine to five, don't go in there every day and spend your money every week so you're just stuck at the same place for 10, mm -hmm. 15 years. No, have a game plan yeah. like you did. Yeah, you said you wanted to stay there for two years, but there's a reason why you stayed for six and a half. I, I mean, had to transition over to real estate private equity. Exactly. So I needed that knowledge. So the two years, the first two years I was there, I was dealing with mutual funds. And mutual funds, for those that don't know, is the, is the investment vehicle that 401ks invest in. Um, right, so the 401ks give their money to mutual funds. Mutual funds is a diverse portfolio of different stocks. Um, and so I was working there, but I had no interest in mutual funds. And so I did switch over to the real estate private equity side because I was one, I 
want to be a real estate investor and developer. So I was like, I need to understand what they're doing from a corporate perspective. I need to understand what they're doing. Right. And so I understand, you know, how a fund is operated, what goes into play from the documents to from the, you know, from the documents to the accounting, because I was, you know, in it for four years. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I definitely feel like I was prepared just in terms of my knowledge. I had the funds, um, but you know how they say you sort of have this business plan and, you know, all these projections. And so I'm big on things like that. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, sometimes you can't predict where your business is going. You just have to show up and make sure that when it's time for you to pivot, that you could pivot with the business because, you know, you it may happen. It may not happen how you how you detailed it out on paper. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Yeah. So. It doesn't have to be just like you imagine. Like, just like you said, you never yeah. been speaking all over the country, but now it's happening and I mean... Shit, you ain't mad at it. <laughs> I'm not. I am not. I am not mad at it. I just, uh, sometimes I look back, I'm like, like, wow, like, you're doing a lot. You never, like, you know, like, I never even thought, like, even in a year. It's literally been a year and a half. And it feels like it's been so long, but it, it has not. That's how it is whenever you're in business, especially when you're locked in. It's, yeah. it's just like, it's just going. And mm-hmm. uh, you brought up another part that I wanted to get to was the real estate side. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of already talked about why you got into because you said you want to be an investor. So I have a two part question again. I'm going to give you the first part because I, I remember how I did you last time. Yeah. Maybe I should write it down. I'm going to just give you the first you part. You're going to give me the first part? Okay. Oh, shit. I forgot the first part. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. So, okay. what is the tax benefits that you get from owning real estate? Since you say, you understand it from that corporate side. Why is it, you know, you get benefits from owning real real estate? And a lot of people, they don't understand that, you know, you can have your personal home under LLC. So how is some of those things coming to play? Okay. So in terms of the person, so let's just first start with the tax code. The tax code, as I tell every single person, um, now more than ever, but it's always been this way. The tax code is invented and in favor of two people, the business owner and the real estate investor. Point blank period. Not the real estate flipper, not the homeowner. No, the real estate investor. And the reason being is because the government incentivized those people who are able to do things that they're not able to do, i.e., provide housing. There's no way that they could provide housing to all of the millions of people, the billions of people that are on this earth, right? So what happens? They're able to say, all right, well, you're going to get this tax break and you're going to be able to get that tax break because you are a real estate investor, right? And so that's kind of how I always start with people. Now to your statement of saying um, that you can put your personal home in an LLC. So there's one tax advantage and one tax advantage only. Um, for homeowners. And that is if you live in your home for two out of the five years, you are able to exempt $250,000 if you're single and up to $500,000 if you are married, if um, of capital gain income um, when you sell your property, right? Outside of that, when you put your home inside of an LLC, Right. And so you can't take advantage of both. So I just wanted to make it clear because, you know, you said you can put your personal home in an LLC. If you then take your home and you put it inside of an LLC, you're now saying this home is a business. So now you're doing away with if you decide to sell your property, you're no longer going to be um, you're no longer going to be able to you know, qualify for being able to be exempt up to two hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred thousand dollars of capital gain income um, from being taxed on. What will happen is now your business, I mean, now your home is looked at as a business. So that means every single thing, all of the repairs, everything that goes into your home, you're now able to write off, which is different from if your personal home, you had to fix that garage, you just had to fix that garage, right? But if you had it under an LLC, all of those expenses that you're incurring, you're able to write off. 
right? So it is, um, it is a difference. And I feel like another, uh, this year with taxes, I felt like, I felt like I was like a tax therapist this year with this new tax code. And I felt like I had to make people understand like personal, like individuals understand the tax code, right? This year, just because the taxes changed this year. Mm -hmm. It was a situation where in prior years, your property taxes helped you and your itemized deduction. So it helped you get a bigger refund this year all taxes that you're able to itemize on your personal side were capped at 10,000. Most of the time, by the time you do whatever you paid in state taxes, um, you know, you're barely going, your, your property taxes is barely even going to take effect. Right. And so that is like a huge issue. So many people were getting lower refunds this year. And again, what they're doing, they, the, the middle class and the working, the working class, they're, taking more taxes from them and then giving more incentives to business owners and real estate investors. With the tax code change, didn't they cut the tax rate for the corporate tax rate from like 35% down to 21%? Mm -hmm. They cut it down. They did, they did cut it down. And um, to me, that's just kind of scary. Like even the, the very wealthy people, they're like, we're not spending this money. I think it was like Warren Buffett. He was just like, yeah, we're just kind of like holding this in reserve or something, um, I believe he said, right? Because he just feels that it's all going to come back. And that's what I'm afraid of. So just to kind of talk about real estate, and I know that everyone is, um, you know, kind of going crazy over opportunity zones. The only thing, and I'm not going to turn this into a real estate opportunity. Well, no, we can talk about it. You can do what to do. This is what um, we do. So, yeah, let's go. But what I'm, so with, with, um, opportunity zones the only thing like it's 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 great right if you have the means um and you have the capital gains to take that money and invest it's great but what i'm thinking long term just because i'm you know thinking taxes if what if all these people that decide to invest in opportunity zones that don't get to hold it uh what is it for like seven years or when they so after when they hold it for seven years Whenever they get all the capital gains. Yeah. So, yeah. So after seven years, you just get, I think like 25, there's like a 25%, um, you get like a 20, a 25% recapture. I, I, I know what you're talking about. Like, I don't yeah, want to get like into It's like a 25% the recapture, right? So what I'm thinking is what if tax rate, so there are some people that have entered into it from the beginning and they're going to be able to hold it within that period mm-hmm. so that they can be 100 percent exempt from those capital um those capital gains but what about the people who are investing their money and the tax rates are one thing right now but you did this so that you can get a discount but then what if they increase rates right then once you sell this property years from now it may or may not be the opportunity that you thought it was going to be right and so i'm i'm not uh, like I'm not against opportunity zones, but I just don't hear anyone talking about that. Like what the the projected taxes, if you know those tax rates increase, like what does that mean for the sale of your property? And you know? I think a lot of people aren't thinking about like that. And that you know what what that kind of reminds me of is kind of like with uh, funding for uh, universities and stuff. Whenever they created uh, student loans and everything, they didn't think about it that far ahead in advance. So it is like a great perspective to think about, like mm-hmm. interest rates change and everything. I never thought about that either. Yeah, so, so like if is- the tax rates change, it's like it changes everything. It changes, it changes the trajectory of everything. And so it's just something to think about, um, you know, but I, I, I mean, I still think that it's, it's, it's a good, um, you know, it's a good investment, it's a great opportunity. Um, but yeah, I'm also going to probably do like a whole opportunity zone webinar because I just feel like the tax piece. Get left out of it. Because like, everybody hears the good part about opportunity zone. Yeah, what's the bad you part? Ten years, no taxes, boom. But it's a lot more nuanced than that. I think in order for you to even take advantage of that, you had to do it like this is like the last year. Outside of that, you could just hold it for like the seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting confused, but. No, because well, um, like it gets it gets out there. Uh, the legislation is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's weird. very it's not very clear. It's not very clear. Like they just get like they just issued like 
new guidance on it this year. So like every single year, it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna fine tune it a little bit more. We're gonna like throw something else out there. Themselves. Mm -hmm. Quick plug session. Anybody interested in learning more about Opportunity Zones, uh, we do have Charm City, Charm City Buyers course on our website. That's www.blackwealthwinnersongs.com. Uh, Opportunity Zones Masterclass. Check it out. Sorry. <laughs> Back yeah, to the check show. it out. <laughs> but I do want to ask you, what, what is the biggest way you get your uh, get new clients? Is it through just referrals or is there like advertising that you do? Um, so the biggest, the two, well, I get a lot of clients through a couple um, of different ways. One being social media. Um, social media is huge for me. Um, outside of that, it is speaking engagements. Um, you know, the connection of getting out there and communicating and connecting with people. Um, I've heard from so many of my clients, they're like, all right, well, the way you explain taxes is like, it's digestible. You know, I don't feel like you're speaking over my head. I understand it. And so I think when I'm, you know, able to really connect and get in a room with uh, people and speak to them about taxes, it clicks. You know, it's something that they don't tune out of, that they are able to digest the information that, you know, that is um, pretty much, you know, I'm giving. And then the second is referrals. Um I, ha I get a lot of referrals from clients. I also get a lot of referrals from, you know, other business owners that I work with. One being Matt. I love Matt, MG the mortgage guy. Yeah. Matt yeah. is like a Miss Business like advocate. Like, I love Matt. <laughs> it's like, you know, key. But we work together on a lot of clients um, because, you know, their taxes need to be done. And sometimes, especially when you're a business owner, you have a lot of people who are just not filing their taxes, but then they're like, oh, I want to get into real estate. And he's like, go see this business. Go see this business. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, Matt is amazing. So shout out to Matt. Always, like, always looking out. Yeah, y'all definitely, yeah. y'all don't know who he is. Y'all definitely go follow him. He's pretty dope. Yeah, He's some great MG the mortgage guy. Yeah. I got one more. Um, so what is, like, the, what is the biggest tax advantage that anybody could take advantage of? Um, or most people could take advantage of. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. The biggest tax advantage that anybody can take advantage of. That's kind of broad because every industry and everything is different, right? But from a small business perspective, um, in terms of tax advantages, where I think people aren't even thinking, I think is the structure of their business. Like it first starts with the structure of your business and every single person can do the work to make sure that they are able to, you know, structure their business in a way that it'll be more tax, I guess, tax, it'll be, it'll be more in favor of their taxes, right? Because if you're starting out and, you know, let's say you, you say, okay, my most popular one, oh, I have an LLC, right? No one knows why they have an LLC. They just have an LLC. That's what they were told. That's what they know. Um, you know, I just went out and, and started an LLC and I'm like, okay, why? And they're just like, okay, to protect my assets. And I'm like, okay, but why not a corporation? A corporation protects your assets. Why not an S corporation? That also protects your assets. There's no, um, you know, all of them are going to pretty much allow you allow your business to act as a separate entity outside of you, you know, so why, so why do that? Um, and so I, what I've also learned is that the tax piece of that is always missing. They never think about the reality is you, you in, in lieu of you protecting yourself, you're also just telling the IRS how you want to be taxed, right? And so not choosing correct business structures, like my single member LLC people, um, in most cases, outside of real estate, um, they are paying 15% more in taxes that they shouldn't be paying, right? And it's just a matter of them not knowing. So right there, that's like a huge tax, you know, kind of like break that they could be giving themselves, but because they don't know and they're not consulting with CPAs, they're not necessarily able to, you know, take advantage of that. Um, if I want to start talking about real estate, real estate, um, the biggest, one that I see a lot of real estate investors don't take is depreciation on their property. That's like tens of thousands of dollars in some cases every single year that you're able to write off that is 
kind of like imaginary money, right? Because you have a, a, a mortgage out on your property. So technically, if you're depreciating a home of $100,000, you get to depreciate it over 27 and a half years. So if you are writing off your property over 27 and a half years, and you know you have a mortgage out on it, technically you're able to write off the value of your property over time, but it's not even money that you actually spent, right? But it's showing up as an expense on your, um, on your rental property profit and loss statement, right? It's a depreciation expense that you're able to take. So I always run into um, real estate investors who they have, you know, I don't know, they go to H&R Block or wherever they go to get their taxes done. <laughs> You know, where it's like, hey, I, like, oh, they didn't, you know, they didn't ask the questions, you know, about what's the value of your house, right? Because they just, it's very interview based. Do you have house? Do you have rental income? Do you have expenses? You know, so they're not thinking about that. So um, real estate, that would be my, my tip for that. Business owners in general, check your, your business how your business is formed, because that right there could could mean a, a big, big uh, cut in taxes. Um, and what's another one? I feel like I want to think of another one. Um, um, this one, I mean, no, because I was going to talk about like employee benefit plans, but that doesn't apply to like a lot of small business owners. I do have a lot of clients that do have benefit plans and things for their clients, um, but I want to give something more like for starters. I don't know. That's all I can think of right now. Okay. I, I have a question. Thank you. I, yes. I would like for you to dive into just a little bit more of the uh, kind of some of the differences between the That's exactly what I was Okay. Let's do it. All right. So with um, a single member LLC, while you are protected and you are seen as a separate entity from a tax perspective you're seen as a sole proprietor so what that means is when you're a sole proprietor you don't file a separate informational tax return um, what happens is you just uh, you'll file a schedule c with your 1040 with your personal tax return um, and what happens on that money is that you have to pay self-employment tax self-employment tax is made up of social security tax and medicare tax if you're an employee of a job, you'll see it show up on your on your um, paycheck as Social Security tax and Medicare tax or FICA tax. And so what happens when you're an employee is you pay half and your employer pays half. So you pay 7.65% and your employer pays 7.65%. But as a single member LLC or, um, or sole proprietor, what happens is you have to pay that whole entire 15.3%, right? Now, in comparison to an S corporation, what happens is as an S corporation, you are able to be the only member inside of an S corporation. So with the S corporation, you can, let's just say hypothetically, let's, if you made $100,000 and we can add a number to it, you made $100,000 under S corporation, what will happen is you'll have to fill out an, an informational return. Um, you will have to pay yourself what's deemed a reasonable salary. So that is very important, right? Because I have a lot of people who will form S corporations, but then they don't pay themselves out a salary. Now they have a whole payroll audit. And it just, you know, you still have to do what you have to do um, in terms of meeting administrative guidelines when it comes to S corporations. But with an S corporation, um, when that income flows through to your personal return, because you've already completed what's, um, what's named an 1120F to file your S-corporation taxes. So let's just say you, um, you filed an 1120F informational return. And an informational return just means that you're not filing, you're not paying taxes at that business level, right? The only thing you're doing is providing the information at that business level saying, okay, on my business level, I made $100,000. Right, you're not actually calculating and paying the taxes on that business level. What happens is you're generated what's called a K-1, which is just like a W-2. The K-1 stating, okay, from business X, Y, and Z Inc. Um, made hundred thousand dollars. We need, we now need to report on your personal return that you made that hundred thousand dollars inside of your business. Right, so now the $100,000 is now being reported on your personal return. 
once the hundred thousand dollars is being reported on your personal return, what happens is because it's coming in as a, um, a um, because it's coming in as a K one, what happens is you don't you you pretty much get around paying that um, 15.3%. However, it's not a whole tax avoidance, right? It's not something that you can do to like totally avoid paying that 15.3%, right? Because I mentioned that you have to pay yourself and put yourself on salary. So let's just say hypothetically, you said, all right, um, it is a reasonable salary. So it is based on facts and circumstances. So let's say in Brooklyn, New York is expensive here, right? I may, you know, say, okay, I'm going to pay myself, let's say $40,000, you know, it's a reasonable salary. Um, you know, okay, I pay myself $40,000, I'll be paying the 15.3% on the $40,000 versus paying it on the whole $100,000, right? If I was a single member um, LLC or a sole proprietor. And so that is a way that you can significantly reduce your um, self, um, that self-employment tax, right? And that's saving you like a ton of money. Um, you know, when it comes to, as I mentioned, like I try to be a resource to connect the dots because I do feel like some time in business, um, the difference is just having those resources, right? So with my clients, whenever they have LLCs and they want to convert over to an escort or they want to just form escorts um, from the beginning, what I, what I do is, you know, I, I set it up for them, but I not only set it up, I have, I work closely with ADP. And we bring them in and I make sure that they get set on payroll, right? And they can pay themselves whenever they want. If they want to do bi-weekly, they can do bi-weekly. If they want to do monthly, quarterly, um, it really is just up to them. But they have to be in compliance with paying themselves a salary. So that's really, that's the difference between the two. Thank you, Yeah, I really appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate I learned so No problem. <laughs> I was definitely like locked in. <laughs> well, good. I'm happy. I'm, I'm hoping you guys are learning. Yeah. Thanks, game. Thanks, got a lot to do with it, but I guess now's a good time to pivot on to the last segment of the show. Okay. What's on your timeline? <laughs> what's on your timeline? Let's talk about what's on your timeline. <laughs> what's on your timeline? <laughs> I can't look on social media. I have to be an example to everyone listening. I'm locked in. I haven't been on social media. What's on your timeline? I respect the grind. <laughs> so uh, I actually do have something to talk about. Uh, what's on your timeline? See? Shine, shine, brother, shine. I came across on uh, on social media. It was talking about the side hustle trap mm -hmm. that is America. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically what it was kind of getting at was that, you know, we're real big on entrepreneurship, side hustles and all that, but that a lot of Americans are getting into these things and they're dedicating a lot of time to them and they're not seeing the results. And many of them are doing this and they're not doing it where well, our goal is to create wealth, but they're just doing it basically to make ends meet. Like, you know, the people who are driving Uber when they get off of work and that type of stuff. So really, I just kind of want to see where everybody kind of stands on, like, the current economic standing of America. The gig economy and, like, the way people are compensated right now. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Because back then, like I think in the study that I was looking at, it was like, the stuff that people are doing to pay for it now, they could have accomplished on like a one person's middle class salary in like the 70s. Mm. 
interesting. And my take on it is like, it kind of speaks to the fact that men, like the wage, the dollar, like the power of the dollar, like the way it's kind of increased and wages being paid, yeah. it hasn't really changed since then because if you could still, if you're doing all of this type of work, like you say, you're working a nine to five, then you still have to go drive Uber just to make ends meet. That's a problem that we have to fix within our economy right there. Um, as far as the gig community economy, that's another great thing because recently, California recently passed a, a law uh, versus Uber, yeah, like yeah, targeting Uber, companies yeah. like Uber and yeah, Lyft, yeah. where you know they could be written off as contractors before. As independent contractors, they can't yeah. No now the with the new legislation, they can't ten ninety nine them. They got to be enrolled as like employees. That's interesting. Wow. So they get, they get benefits and everything from that. Then yeah. that and that's that's what what they're talking about now. That'll be interesting. Wow. My take on that um, is a few things. Um, I think it's a a, a mix between people doing what they what they need to do and uh, and people doing what they know they can do and so what i mean by that is i know that i can like generate some extra income through uber so as you mentioned as like when i get off of work that's what i'm going to do right to generate some additional income i think now we have so much information and with me being an accountant which is why my view is a little different is that I'm finding that people are picking up side hustles. Like it has some people that, that they're like, yeah, I do Uber, but by the time, no, I, I do Uber Eats, but I mean, by the time, you know, they, they I guess it's like a fee and then they, they um, you know, gas, they're like, yeah, I'm probably like breaking even. And I'm like, okay, so why are you doing it? You know, I just think, yeah. And so I think that it's in a, we're in a space where one, there's a glorification of entrepreneurship right, which breeds the, the, um, the side hustle, right? So I have, I also run into a lot of clients who treat their side hustles like side hustles. Again, you're not treating your business like a business. I, um, I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of people giving discounts or selling products they can't afford, right? So I tell my clients two things. One, if you can't, if it's your side hustle and you can't afford to, re-up and keep doubling your money, then you're probably doing this wrong. You probably need to raise your price and really figure out what it's costing you to really operate, right? Because a lot of people don't, don't do that. They don't really sit down and break down the numbers on what it takes them to operate, right? So now they're stuck in this cycle of having a side hustle until it just starts to exhaust their pockets and drain their pockets, you know, then they, I guess they wake up. So for me, um, I, I feel like a part of that has to do with glorification of entrepreneurship. And I call it like the, I feel like social media is like, um, like a glass wall where you have, you know, the good life sitting on one side and then you have everyone that's going to keep bumping into this wall because one, they're not doing the work and, things that they need to do to actually get to that other side and then you know you have the people that they're, they're so desperately infatuated with what they're seeing on social media as this thing on you know what they want but the reality is these people aren't really giving you the right exact tools that they're using for you to get there right so they're going to consistently keep bumping into this wall and so i don't know i kind of feel like glorification entrepreneurship and um and social media has something to do with that. Yeah. Social media is just definitely something we're trying to we're trying to bring to the forefront. Because we know a lot of that does go on, on social media, uh, that glorification and that lack of talking about the difficulties and the challenges. So it's one thing we it's like to rough. try to open up with this platform. We like to open up that discussion because like even with this, with BWR, we face challenges. Like it, it doesn't matter. Challenges are gonna come no matter what business you're in. With. Wait until you guys get employees. We got a couple. Go. Got How many you got? <laughs> we're working on. We got three now. Three. I got five employees, and I'm like, oh my god. 
we, we, we had some interesting experiences. Yeah, we, we've yeah. tried to hire some other people too. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that was, yeah. Interesting. Interesting, right? I'm not going to talk bad about anybody. What? No, don't. Essentially, needs to give me a, a deal, right? I'm like broadcasting it. Cut the check essential water. <laughs> who who owns that? I don't know, but I love it. But they need to give me a deal. So if you're listening, you're a rep for Essentia. I could be your girl. <laughs> I need to see her face with that. She out here trying to get the endorsements off the podcast. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I gotta get that bag. I gotta make my social media account. This is a business. I you know, it. get them to give me some deals to post. Hey, speaking of that, can you plug yourself in, let everybody know where they can find you, mm -hmm. uh, where they can go to your website, if they're trying to get some of your services, yeah. anything like that, just let them know what you what you got going on. Yeah, so I am Miss Business, so ms.business101 across all platforms. Um, Instagram is my baby. I am most uh, I guess you can say pr uh, prominent on Instagram, but I am breaking into Facebook. So you'll see me um, doing a lot more over there um, as well as Twitter. I'm also going to try to get on Twitter um, within yeah, the next fun week. I, I see it in your face. You're like, I really don't want to be on Twitter. <laughs> you know what it is? I used to tweet so long ago and now I'm like, oh God, I have oh. to go back to tweeting. But anyway, my, my, um, my website is www.missbusiness101.com. So and so on my, on my website, you can find, you know, my bio, who I am. If you want to schedule a consultation, there's a consultation link there where you'll be able to set up um, a consultation to book some time on my calendar, pick a time that works for you. Um, and yeah, we can, we can chat. There's also, if I'm ever doing any events, which I do a lot of like networking events, so if I'm doing any events or speaking engagements or eBooks, anything, it's all on my website. I don't use Linktree. I use my website. So everything, everything is there. Oh, for sure. Once again, we thank everybody for tuning into the podcast every week. We appreciate you, Ms. Business, for coming on the podcast. This, no problem. Uh, and just dropping some gems, some great information about being a CPA, why you need a CPA, about taxes, about real estate. Really enjoyed this episode. <clears throat> also, if y'all want to listen to this episode, y'all know where to find it on Instagram, but you can also go to our website, www.blackwealthrenaissance.com. I'm sorry, I said Instagram. I mean, Apple Podcasts. But uh, you can go through our link on Instagram. You can access all types of uh, great stuff we have on. Um, but through our website, we are building a CPA directory, which Miss Business already did sign up for. You can find her there if you're trying to figure out anything about her. We're going to have uh, other CPAs around the country. If you want someone that's a little bit local to you, you can find someone like that. Or we also have the realtor directory. We have the financial advisor directory. Um, and we're going to also be coming up with some more financial services and just services directories like lawyers and everything that you'll need to help. Protect. We want to connect black professionals yep. with, with the community. Yep. Because we know that that's a, uh, an issue in the community that we are complain about is that we can't find anyone to work with. Uh, hey, no more complaints. Let's focus on the solution. Yeah. There you go. Here's a directory of the black people all across the country doing this thing. That, that's amazing. And I, and especially when, um, just to kind of give you guys some statistics, for CPAs, only 4% of all CPAs are black. And I don't know how many of that are even black women. I'm kind of rare. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, when I heard that statistic, I was like, wow. wow. That's, that's crazy. It's only 4% of all CPAs are African-American. So we're trying to look. That 4%, we're trying to have all of them on yes. the website. Get, yes, get, get them all on the website. 100% yeah. of our services. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you are a CPA and interested in joining the directory, uh, you can go to our Instagram or to our website, and you can fill out the form to where you can uh, submit your information, and then we'll be able to put it up on the website. Um, also, coming up, we have the Black Investors Summit, yeah. which will be happening in D.C. May 2020. Y'all be on the lookout for it. It's, it's, it's so I'll be late. there. Oh, yeah. Maybe you have a panel or something. There's a question about you being there. 
if you want some more information about it, text SUMMIT to 21000. That's SUMMIT to 21000. And uh, it'll text you all the information about ticket information, how you can reserve your ticket, uh, even have some information about rooms and everything. So just text that and you'll be able to be locked in and keep and be updated. Also, we have the Patreon account. Yeah. Kelly, tell them about that link, my brother. It is patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. That is patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. Kelly, always with the goal and the link. Yeah. So, Patreon, yes. It starts at $1. We have three different tiers. The Patreon is meant to help us go route and travel so that we can create more in-person connections with people across the country. Uh, social media is great. We have been able to accomplish great things there. But just based on a few networking events that we have put on, uh, we would like to continue to do that to create those, those that change in the community, for lack of a better word. So Patreon is something you're looking to support. Uh, that's, that's the link. What it is, Kelly? Patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. My man. Kelly, you got anything you want to add, my brother? Man, I just want to shout out to all the listeners that, that keep rocking with us, man. Keep rocking with us because, I mean, well, we, we we're in top 100 still. Top 100 again. Yeah. Uh, right. We definitely appreciate that. Keep keep rocking with us. We got some better content coming in coming in soon, so please keep, keep going. Yeah. Okay. With all that said, uh, this is Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. Deuces. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. When it comes to clothes, it's great to have options. But having pieces that you can wear anywhere is a must for everybody. That's why American Giant makes clothing that fits into your life seamlessly, with quality you have to feel to believe. And with an impressive selection of staples to choose from, there's something for everyone. So whether you're on the hunt for the perfect t-shirt, a solid pair of jeans, or super soft sweatshirts, American Giant has what you're looking for. Each American Giant piece is designed to last and created with commitment to doing things better. And all their products are made right here in America. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop Wear Anywhere Closet Staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code WA23. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.